Live from the Pacific Northwest, it's Portland Story Theater's Valentine's Day show, Kiss and Tell, Real True Stories. May the narrative be with you. You know, speaking of, of my son, uh, this is, Valentine's Day is a special day for me um, because it is my son's birthday. Uh, he's, he's nine today. Um, uh, by the way, I'm not introducing anybody. This is my story, so um, so here's me. Um, uh, but he's, he's nine today. And uh, it's interesting because about a couple of months ago, we were uh, sitting in bed talking about, uh, he was in bed, and, and I was sitting next to him talking about erections. Uh, because it, it was, you know, I, there was an opportunity um, to have a talk about sex. We had already, we give given the birds and the bees. Um, he knows how babies are made. Uh, and that's pretty cool. Um, just the fact that, not that he knows, but just how babies are made. And I just want to think about that for Valentine's Day. But, um, but, um, uh, but this, was, this was sort of Birds and the Bees part two, uh, because we, and I felt, uh, talk about coming from Oregon, uh, you know, he's, he's an Oregonian, and I just felt like a proud Portland parent because we talked about everything. I probably went a little too far. I mean, we just talked about, you know, Gender is a spectrum. Uh, you know, uh, gay sex versus straight sex. I mean, I just, I just, you know, but, no. But he was, um, he was very receptive and interested in hearing about it all. Um, he asked me if every time uh, uh, a man and a woman have sex, if a baby happens, um, I was tempted to tell him yes, but, um, <laughs> but, um, but no. So we talked about condoms and. and birth control and all that sort of stuff. Um, and it was more than I ever got at his age. Like I said, he's nine today. Um, my parents told me the basics. Um, this was in the 70s. I, I think they mostly gave me a book with hairy people in it. Um, and and uh, pictures and stuff. Um, and, and then that was it. They kind of closed the book and, and walked away. So by the time I was you know, 11 or 12, I remember uh, summer day camp. Um, and I was getting erections, but I didn't know what that was. Uh, so uh, I don't know if it's something about being Jewish or something. But I just assumed it was cancer. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and I didn't tell anybody. So the, the whole summer, you know, I thought I had cancer, and then the cancer would go away. <laughs> Uh, uh, and, and finally, I asked my dad, and, and he, he cleared it all up. Thank goodness. Uh, at, at the end of that, um, my only my only solace the, the whole time while this was going on was I would listen to uh, um, "You're Never Fully Dressed Without a Smile" from Little Orphan Annie. I was an odd kid, but I would listen to this uh, and, and just feel better for a moment. It helped people through the Great Depression, and it helped me through that summer of my erections. <laughs> Uh, but but I guess what I'm trying to say is that there is something that I did not, I realized later, I, I felt so proud of myself, but I did not communicate to my son, and I'm not sure that I could now, and it is something about, and I will try to encapsulate it now for you, it is something about that moment when you meet somebody and how to behave, um, how to sort of flirt or initiate the mating dance. Um, <laughs> And uh, I'm 
speaking of being on the spectrum, I'm, I think I've always been a little bit on the spectrum about that. And, and I'll give you an example, and you'll know exactly what I mean. I was 22 years old. I was living in Philadelphia, um, uh, not in my mother's house, um, but, <laughs> um, but, but I, was, uh, I was lonely, and I was still listening to musicals, and so every night, I think, probably, uh, I would listen to West Side Story, um, who knows, could it be, yes it could, something's coming, something's good, something tonight, and I really thought that I would go out there and meet somebody. Um, in this weird way, like not at a bar or a club, but they would, I would just walk the streets of Philadelphia at like 10 o'clock at night and maybe they'd be like floating there or something. I didn't know what the plan was. Um, and this went on for months and months. And, and But finally, finally in Rittenhouse Square in Philadelphia, um, I met a woman. I don't remember if she uh, talked to me or I spoke to her first, but... Um, but we met and we had a wonderful conversation and, um, and we walked to 7-Eleven together and bought candy bars and came back and uh, talked some more. And, and I asked for her phone number and she gave it to me. And as she gave it to me, I said, and by the way, just so you know, my interest in you is romantic. <laughs> yeah, my sister later, she's like, oh God, you shouldn't have said that. Uh, as like my coach. But, uh, and I, and I was trying to think where this all started, um, or how long I've been on the spectrum of uh, not being, and, and, and I'm gonna take you back to, to fourth grade, um, and there I am in Miss Gilmore's class, uh, and she's, you know, what are you doing? Uh, I'm reading The Hobbit. Why are you doing that? Well, I finished the assignment, and I had, I finished everything she, so, so, so basically, uh, she kind of saw that maybe I was one of the smart kids, and I didn't know how it works, but I filled out a test that they administered, number two pencil and dots and little patterns and stuff, and, um, and then I tested into the smart school in Philadelphia, Masterman Laboratory and Demonstration School. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a funny name, isn't it? Um, and, uh, and so I, I got to go there next year in fifth grade. And, and I remember the brochure looking at it that summer uh, because the kid in it had black glasses and was looking in a microscope, and that seemed intimidating for some reason. Um, he wasn't reading The Hobbit. Uh, so, so, but, so there I was in fifth grade, and... Uh, Indeed, I was not at the top of my class. Uh, in fact, I was, I was definitely at the bottom of my class. Um, uh, not even metaphorically, because the teacher imposed a caste system. Um, uh, of, uh, there was table one, and they were the smartest and the brightest. And, and table two, they were, they were trying to get to table one. You know, they gave a shit. Um, table three was just kind of average. Um, and table four, I was a and we were sort of the dirty dozen, the outcast, the dregs of Miss Turner's fifth grade class. And we were way in the back and nobody paid attention. And we didn't even get a table. It was like five desks sort of jammed together. Uh, and there was Richard Taylor, a big oafish guy, and Alan Reeves, who sat to my left and was drumming all the time. Um, and Kisa Simmons, who sat to my right, and she was a Christian girl, so she was singing gospel songs all the time, which was kind of cool. I, um, Tara Williams, uh, who I think was smoking at that point, uh, not sure. Uh, 
and me. Um, and I don't know, probably now we would have all been, you know, sent to Montessori in the 90s, we would have been prescribed Ritalin, but in the 80s we were at table four. Uh, and, um, and they realized, uh, they realized that I hadn't, oh, you're taking pictures. I was like, well, what's going on? Okay, hey, no, sorry, didn't mean to bring attention to you, but okay. I know you, that's the last thing you want, I know, but I just sense movement, and, uh, so anyway, uh, so, so, uh, but they realized at table four that I was behind even them in one respect. I hadn't gone with anybody, um, which is like going steady, right, uh, to another generation. You, you have someone and you claim each other somehow and, and you hold hands. But the, the point is that you are for them and they are for you. And I had not gone with anybody at this point. Um, so, so that year, I, I kind of got a different kind of education, and, and their goal was to get me to go with somebody. <laughs> uh, the way they made it seem was that you merely had to pick the person and ask them. And um, to give you an example of, and, and granted, I mean, I was in fifth grade, so I don't know how much people have a clue, but um, this is my diary from fifth grade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. But um, uh, I'm going to read just kind of where I was with this stuff. Uh, so, uh, April 19th, 1983. Dear Diary, I'm reading a book called Your A to Z Guide to the Opposite Sex. Uh, and it popped on me. I really need a girl. It was like waking up from a dream. So, when a, so this was my plan. So when I see a pretty girl, I know what to do. Just flirt around for a while. <laughs> My lips long to kiss, like the sun trying to break through the clouds. <laughs> anyway, I've been taking magic classes, and I really enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, where were you in the The girl I picked, um, which is already problematic, but the girl I picked was, um, and we're just going to get past her name, it's, it's a disease, Jennifer Ricketts was her name. Um, but, but she was, she was a table one girl, um, and, uh, and, and, and I flirted with being table two, it made her a little dangerous um, somehow, but, but for the most part, um, she wore this pink jacket and had big glasses and a beautiful soft voice. And she and I would ride the number two bus to the commuter train uh, every day in inner city Philadelphia. So it seemed like a, a likely choice because we had had some conversation before. Uh, and, and an auspicious day came when the teacher, Ms. Turner, walked out of the room and Richard Taylor and I started uh, Fighting, and I think we were being playful. Um, I know we, yeah, we weren't serious, but I, I guess they said I sucker punched him. I'm not really sure what that means. It was totally an accident, I'm sure. Um, I think he kind of fooled him, and so he fell to the ground. Uh, and I was, I'm a, are you okay? And he was fine, but uh, I looked really good. 
I look, you know, he's like this huge guy, and, and I guess I sucker punched him. So um, that was my day to ask Jennifer Ricketts to go with me. It was misting rain, and she was wearing her pink jacket. We got on the bus, and she sat down, and I stood over her on the, you know, holding the bar as the bus is going. This is a inner city bus, so there are people, there are like security guards getting off of work, um, a couple alcoholics, um, some, you know, a bunch of school children, um, very romantic, but, uh, uh, you know, and, and people are chatting and everything, but, and I am sort of holding my breath throughout the whole thing, and I'm listening to her soft voice and watching the rain and being absorbed by her pink jacket, uh, and very, very nervous. Uh, but finally, as our stop is coming, I screw up my courage and I say, I want to ask you something, Jennifer. And she says, what? And I say, I want to ask you something. Um, and she said, what? And I said, well, I wanted to know if you would go with me. The silence was about that long. <laughs> and then she said, I can't go with you. I'm a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> and then she left, and I just got off a stop later, and that was a very confusing answer. Um, <laughs> and apparently, when I walked into school the other day, Kisa Simmons, I was walking around the uh, corner, and Kisa said, he asked you on the bus? So, um, I, you know, I've made some kind of mistake, you know, asking her on the bus and everything. Um, and, and, and I will give you one more vignette to drive this home, which is that I was, uh, and I have to say, being a performer, uh, like, you know, that, that sort of covered up all that stuff. I mean, I just have to play the accordion, and, uh, you know. Um, uh, so that became a crutch later on in my life. But, but I always felt this way. And, and one day, I was out of my comfort zone. I was invited to what I thought was going to be an intimate dinner party. I thought there would be 12 people at the most. Um, I was sort of bamboozled. It turned out to be a fundraiser. And I was there in a community where I knew nobody. It was the visual arts community. Um, and... So, so I was in this room full of like as many people are, as here, and I didn't know any of them. Uh, and I suddenly realized that um, I didn't. It wasn't about a man woman thing, or, or I mean, I just felt this way about everybody. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to how to talk to anybody. I mean, I, I couldn't even you know. I, I didn't. I didn't find there was no way in. I came home. I called my best friend, and she gave me some great advice, which, which sort of works across the spectrum for this sort of thing, I realized later. Uh, she, she said, well, listen, when you're in that situation, first of all, don't think of yourself as a victim. Uh, when you're talking to somebody, don't expect any outcome, but actually listen more than you talk, and really try to notice the subtle body cues and look people in the eyes when you talk to them. 
And that, and probably not imposing a fantasy on somebody combined, I thought was, was great advice. As it turns out, uh, I married to that woman uh, who gave me that advice. Uh, that is my son's mother. And I know that the next time I have the opportunity to sit in bed with him and talk about the birds and the bees part three, and this sort of thing, this very thing comes up about, about how to actually interact with somebody intimately for the first time without expectation. What I will tell him is go speak to your mother. <laughs> Thank you very much.